0: Yeah, couldn't make it through this series without showing a Prince of Egypt clip, right? So um, so here's a question, not to, I, I don't want to knock the movie. Um, I, I, I think it's, you know, wow, like great portrayal, just awe-inspiring, you know, uh, portrayal of this chapter uh, that we are on today. And yet, it always makes me curious why movie makers, when they make a movie about scripture, why they do things a certain way that they do, especially when it's a little bit different than the way that Scripture said that it happened, okay? So the first thing I want us to do is brainstorm together. Do you think you can come up with five things, let's mean do it as a big group here, that may have been a little bit different in the Bible that we're about to read, we haven't read it yet, we're going to read it, than actually happen the way they happen in the movie? Anything that, like, when you... Watch the movie, it caught your eye, and you're like, did that really happen, or did that not happen? Things stand out? Elise? Uh, the, the tornado of fire. The tornado of fire, right. Is that, is that a real thing or not? Good. Alright, keep coming. We'll, we'll, we'll read in just a minute here. Pharaoh lives on that rock. Like yeah. How interesting that, like, Pharaoh gets spit out of the sea, and he throws him on that rock, and it's they get, it, it hovers just for long enough to see his arm move, right? And then it goes on. I, it probably comes back to him later in the movie. But yeah, it definitely seems to be alive on the other side. Okay, did that really happen? Good question. Yeah, so like is it just dramatic effect that we've got half of them still inside and then they're about to get chased, you know? How do we understand that part, yeah? yep yeah so good so in the bible does it say something about chariots getting stuck in the mud right i think there may be something there well it says both we're gonna get there yeah yeah good 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 but definitely dry ground and there's definitely mud problems yes Excellent. Yeah, so isn't, you know, I mean, I love that scene when he's like, boom, staff in the water. But then you're like, but doesn't it say something about, like, stretch out your staff over the water? Yeah, it does. We're going to find out. I think he's remembering what God had said, like, at the burning bush or something. Like, I don't think that was God's thing. Yeah, so the, the, the phrase we hear God say, with the staff you will do my wonders, right? Okay. Is that phrase in the Bible? No. No. I don't know. I can't remember, to be honest. Let's see here. We should go back to, let's do a little investigation here. Um, what is in your hand? A staff, throw it on the ground, becomes a serpent, put out your hand, la, 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 Cloak, you put it on the side of the hand, leprous. Back inside the cloak, restored. Believe you. (laughs) Oh yeah, he says, and you shall take this staff with which you shall do the signs. I think that's about as close as we get. Take your staff. You're going to do signs with it. Um, not with this staff you will do my wonders. Okay. Yeah. Do you think they needed torches to go to the sea? Good question. It was nighttime. We know that. So. But it also said, we'll find out, there's something about wind, torches and wind. I don't know how, sounds like it sounds kind of like, it was kind of a windy event. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of just a minor detail, but I'm pretty sure their torches didn't reveal sharks in the water. But... Yeah, I mean, that, that's just, <laughs> between, between the lines, we don't really know if they could see the sharks in the water. But it'd be amazing. I have snorkeled in the Red Sea right potentially where the Red Sea was crossed. Just saying, just saying. Okay? And it's amazing. <laughs> Do you guys know that the Red Sea is like one of the best scuba diving and snorkeling places in the world? Um, I didn't know that, and I went there. And like literally, literally this is how it happened. I, we, uh, we heard that you could get across the border for somewhat cheap and stay in like cheap hotels down there. It was true, also. Cheap means scary, so it was also scary. There's definitely some <laughs> scary experiences. Um, and they have like a, a reef that goes out from the beach, and so you can't really go into the water because it's just a sharp, rocky reef. But they had a, I'll get you next, you can put your hand down. Um, is a, I'm gonna keep telling my story though. Um, and they had this like dock that went out over the reef, and then you could jump at the end of the dock into the water once you're beyond the reef, right? And I saw that they were renting snorkels for five euros a day. And it had nothing to do. And I was like, well, you yeah, know, we should try it, see what's snorkeling. I mean, it's just like so stupid that I went to like the pre most like, snorkeling place in the world and had no idea. Angel, and I just like slapped some snorkels on, go jump in, and it's just like mind blown. Like, it's like snorkeling off the coast of, of Australia or something. Just like. You're snorkeling like fluorescently colored fish and eels and sharks and they're everywhere and you can like swim. The reef went down probably 20, 30 feet and you had flippers on so you could like hold your breath and just swim down along the reef looking in coral and come back up and it was just amazing. All I have to say, that's very likely where they crossed the, the, the Red Sea if they crossed, so. Clear water. Oh yeah, it's, it's crystal clear. And like hot pink fish, and hot like yellow and neon green fish, and just just mind blowing. Yeah. Maybe they can see fish. What's that? Maybe they can see the fish. Yeah, I know. There it is. A, it is a very fishy part of the world. So I'm sure there's a lot of things. To see. Yes. Out. So if in the, okay, the Bible. The Egyptians did. I'll like second the Red Sea. Did they ever find like? Did kind they of found, like just like big ruins like Egyptian like armor and chariots and stuff? Yeah. I have def- i have read about some archaeological finds of chariot wheels in the Red Sea. Yeah, I have read about that. Um, and, and we're going to get it at something. We're going to talk about skeptics in just a minute here. Yeah. I also noticed that Moses was the He like Well, at this point, Moses would have been 80, right? Is that what we said? 80. He was 40 when he left Egypt, and then he was in the wilderness for 40 years. So he'd have been in his 80s at this point. Yeah. But he was a stout guy. Because he then wandered in the wilderness for another 40 years and then died right before they went in. Yeah. Did the water like really shoot up? I know. How, how does water get psh, separated? Yeah. That's. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's read it and we'll kind of pick out some things. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Actually, let's start at 13, verse 17, and I'll I'll read quickly, but it's a good story, so I don't think it'll feel too long. So Exodus 13, verse 17, here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkot and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light." And they might travel by, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other, other chariots of Egypt with officers all, uh, over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped by the sea by Pihahirath uh, P- Hi- in front of baal zephon When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to bring us, uh, to us to, in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be, have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, becoming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel, But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. All right, well, did we get some things right? we pick out some things? Huh? Okay. So Moses, you guys are right, Um, uh, in the movie, Moses, he doesn't really say what God tells him to say. He doesn't say the Lord is going to fight for us. We just have to be silent. Um, We don't ever hear (laughs) the Lord saying what it says he said here to Moses in the movie. Um, The whole stretching out the hand over the sea thing. Um, Notice that the Egyptians... They, in In the Bible, they say, "Let us flee for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians so it's like it sounds like the Egyptians at some point realize this is a fool 's errand. we are going to die, and they 're actually headed back to Egypt before the waters even come back down on them they 're trying to get out of there, and then the waters come down and get them okay so it 's not quite the dramatic like guy with the sword right behind Moses they they are terrified that God is going to kill them, okay um, and then uh, notice that the water's just kind of come crashing down in the movie and Moses doesn't get a chance to put his hands out and do it, okay? So, interesting. That's, that's more the, the real story. Um, and so, let's, we just want to talk about two things today. First of all, I want to take on just some some skeptical thoughts and, and, a, and a funny quote that I want to share with you um, about the Exodus and crossing the Red Sea. And then I want to talk about how this is like the story of creation all over again, okay? So, as you guys grow up and as you interact with people on the Bible Um, And as you go to college, one of the things that will surely come up um, is the Red Sea, crossing the Red Sea, did that really happen? Kind of the same thing with all miracles, but this is a really big one because it's so crazy to think of it actually happening, right? That water would, you know, move and people would walk across a sea on dry land. So there's, there's two ways that scholars tend to attack this idea. The first is they say... That what's happening here is really just a, a natural phenomenon, like this. Is what happens in nature normally, and, um, and and here's how: you get a really windy day and low tide, and you get dry ground where it's usually wet. Okay, windy day, low tide, dry ground where it's usually wet. Um, now, in order to uphold this, you have to throw away what the Bible says, right? Um, because the Bible clearly says there's a wall of water on one side and on the other side, so when we think of walls we don 't think of things that are like half an inch high. We think of you know six feet high or higher that 's a wall okay um, and, and and also, you have to throw away the whole timing of the event right like it happened when Moses put his hands up and then it went back when he put his hands up on the other side so yeah, you might get high tide and a windy day, but usually it doesn't happen when I do this. And I yeah, you know, like, no. It, yeah, nature does its own thing at its own time, okay? So that's, that's one. It's not a great argument. A second argument is that, in fact, um, the Hebrew here is not saying the Red Sea. It is saying the Reed Sea, okay? You guys know what reeds are. They're out around our lake here, you know, like, Cattails, things that grow up reeds, okay? Um, and so it, it, it's talking about a, not really a sea, but more of a marsh, okay? Like a marshy, swampy area. Um, and so, yeah, it made sense that Israel, on foot, walked across the marsh, and, and then the Egyptians tried to chase them with their chariots, and they, you know, the wheels got clogged up in the mud, and, and they couldn't make it, okay? So that's how they got across the reed sea and we're safe. Again, to get there, you just ignore scripture and ignore the whole walls of water bit, okay? So here's the quote. Um, it's just a story I read in the commentary. Uh, so there's a pastor, Donald Bridge. He tells the story of a liberal preacher visiting an African-American church. Um, and as so liberal means, he doesn't really mean the Bible, think the Bible's true. Some of it might be true. There's preachers like that out there. Um, As the minister talked about crossing over the Red Sea, someone shouted, Praise the Lord! Taking all the children through the deep waters! What a miracle! The minister, who did not believe in miracles, was annoyed at this intervention. So rather condescendingly, he told the congregation that the Israelites were probably in marshland with an ebbing tide, so they were simply wading through six inches of water. In response to this, the same voice, as before, shouted, Praise the Lord! Drowning all them Egyptians in six inches of water! What a mighty miracle! <laughs> I know, that was awesome. <laughs> Either way, it's a miracle, right? So, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so we want to look at creation, this idea that, you know, there's something big happening here, and it's a theme that we can trace throughout the Bible, all right? We already talked last time about the birth theme, right? You guys remember that? We said, like, this is the birth of a new nation. Babies, when they're born, they come out with water. Um, this is a nation going through water to be born as a new nation, okay? Um, but now we want to look at is, is a theme of creation. And so we're going to read a number of passages, and we're going to trace this line of uh, creation uh, throughout these passages, okay? So I'm going to write them on here. And we can just do it together. I, clean I you know, have a few things. I'm a little. Oh, yeah, come on! <laughs> oh. <Yeah. Okay. laughs> we are going to verbally talk about all of this okay. and forget the uh, whiteboard. <laughs> all right. Um, so there's a couple themes, things that are going to fall. So let's all start by going back to Genesis. Go back to Genesis, chapter one the beginning, because that's where creation happens. You might ask, why do we do this? I mean, I think it's really sweet for us to see that this book in our hands um, is not just like uh, just a bunch of thoughts thrown together. It's not just a bunch of unconnected books. There is a story going throughout the whole book. And what we ought to say is, the only way that happens is if one author wrote the book, right? It, isn't, it doesn't make sense to have storylines go throughout centuries and different authors unless there's a bigger author over the book. So this helps us to see there is. God is the author over the book. All right, so let's start by reading Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. All right, volunteer, read, strong, you can do it, just two verses. Ella Jones, you're up. spirit of god hovering over the face of the waters okay so let's make some observations beginning heavens earth earth was without form and void so we've kind of got this like hunk of mass out there all right and then we've got darkness that's important okay god hasn't made any light yet and then we have the deep okay water there's some sort of water and what is hovering over the water god's spirit okay and before we go any further, you have to understand what the Hebrew word spirit means, okay? It's the word ruach. Everybody say ruach. Ruach. Yeah, we don't, we don't get to have the sounds in English, but many languages have them, okay? Um, so it's ruach, and it is the word that can be translated spirit or wind or breath, okay? So, so those same three things, spirit or wind or breath, okay? So spirit is over the waters, all right? So let's read uh, 1, 9, and 10. I'm just going to go down the line, all right? So Margaret, you're up next. Same, Same chapter, just verses 9 and 10 now. Okay, so at this point in creation we've got waters and they're being gathered together in one place, and that makes dry land somewhere else. Okay? Okay. So let's go on to Genesis chapter 7. Turn a couple pages over. Genesis chapter 7. Okay, and and Grace, can you read for me 17 to 24? 17 to 24. Oh, we're we're talking about Noah here. Uh, yes, yes, you do. I can't hear anything. I'll read for her. I can read for Alrighty, Sarah. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the water. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land, in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Awesome, okay. So here's a question for us. Does this sound like creation, or does it sound like something else? Destruction. Destruction, right? Okay, so we're going to call this uncreation. It's creation in reverse. Because what happened during creation is waters... We're gathered up in a place. Dry land was formed, right? Okay? Life was given. You know, we have all these other things. But, but what's happening here? Waters are being spread out over the whole earth. Is there any dry land? No, there's no dry land, okay? Everything's under the waters, and everything's dying. Death, destruction, okay? So we, at the beginning, we had creation, and we have uncreation. Notice that water and land play a role in both of them. Okay, Let's let's go ahead to just that same page probably. Chapter 8, 1 through 5. 8, 1 through 5. Joseph, you're up. 8, 1 through 5. Alright. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God made a wind over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rains from the heaven were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of the water had evaded and in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest in the mountains of Arath. Yeah, and the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. Alright. Awesome. So it sound like creation or uncreation? Creation. Creation. Why? What's happening? What 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 sounds like Genesis here? Waters are being gathered somewhere else. So what do we see now? Land. Okay, so now we see land again. Land is back. What about ruach? Anybody see ruach in here? All right. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. So do you remember how his spirit was over the waters at creation? Spirit, wind, breath, same word. Well, here, the Ruach is showing up again in the process of gathering water somewhere else so that dry land can be formed, okay? And then we flip ahead to Exodus chapter 14, our passage. And in Exodus chapter 14, um, Colin, can you read just verses 21 and 22? Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Okay, so do we have creation or uncreation? Christian. Creation. Why? What do we what's who's there? What's happening? Is Ruach there? Yeah, the wind blows all night long. Do we have waters being gathered up? Do we have dry land? Yeah, so it's like a new creation is happening here, okay? And then Exodus 26 to 28, I'll read that here. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled into it. The Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Creation or uncreation? Uncreation, right? Waters covering over life again, killing, drowning, removing life. So in creation, we see an act of salvation. People are being saved as God creates something new. He's making a way for them to live. So, so at creation, he's making a way for humanity to live on the earth. At the, you know, Noah and the ark, when the wind blows, he's making a way so that Noah and his family can live once again on the earth. It's saving that family. At the exodus, he's making a way for the Israelites to be saved from their slavery. It's a new creation of a new people. When he covers the earth with water, it's judgment, right? Judgment over the whole earth at Noah. Judgment over the Egyptians at the Exodus. So this theme continues throughout the Bible and throughout uh, Isaiah um, and elsewhere. Um, And then we get to Jesus, and he goes to the Jordan River. And what does he do? But he gets baptized. And what do we do when you get baptized? You go into the water, and where do you go first? You go under the water. Right? And when we go under the water, we should start thinking uncreation, judgment, judgment, judgment is happening here. That's why we go under the water. And then when he comes up out of the water, we should think salvation, new life. Now, it's not just some vague image, because Jesus himself in Mark 10 35 to 38 says um, this. Mark ten thirty five to 38. He says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand, one at your left, and in your glory. And Jesus said, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Is Jesus talking about his baptism there? No, he's talking about his death. He's talking about how he is about to go and die in judgment on the cross and then come back to life to save people. So Jesus thought, when he thought of baptism, he thought of judgment, and he thought of salvation, okay? Um, And it's a theme that we see throughout all of Scripture. And then we read Romans, and we read that we are united to Christ in our baptism, and we read 2 Corinthians, and we read that we are a new creation in Christ. So all of that to say, we read this big, long passage, all these verses to get at the point that Baptism means something humongous. It is a participation in the judgment that God has executed on the world multiple times. Going down in judgment with Jesus, recognizing that we deserve death for our sins and judgment for our sins, and then being brought up out of the water and walking onto dry land in affirmation that we are new creations, that God has made us new creations and he has saved us from our sins, okay? I hope that just breathes life and meaning into what is taking place when we see a baptism or when you get baptized. All right. Well, I've already gone longer than I intended, because um, so I've got to go get a microphone on. But I will pray for us, and we'll be done. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this sweet image of baptism. ask, Lord, that you would um, allow us to all participate in the joy of um, acknowledging judgment and being brought up out of the waters of death into newness of life as new creations in Christ. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.